and we are live. Well, aloha, <coughs> Anadel. Uh, this is Mick Bursak. I know we know each other, but we're going to announce for the world. Um, I'm 33, and we're here at Haleho Ike Ike in Wailuku to just have a little conversation. Uh, what's your full name? And aloha, Mick. <coughs> I was born Anadel Kauilani Mayo um, to a single mother raised in Waiehu from birth until I was 20-some years old and moved away for a short while. Um, yeah, my experiences in Waiehu are very clear to me in memory. And awesome. Well, I'd love to explore that a little bit today. But uh, you had mentioned your full name earlier, um, your middle name, I had not heard that before. Mm -hmm. um, and so, what's, is there a meaning or a story behind that, or is that just kind of the name you were given? It's a name I was given from my mother, whom I believe came up with, with the name. It was a name that she admired, I believe. Um, her name was... Her Hawaiian name was Kepola, which she really did not um, like. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but um, I think that's why she named me Kauilani. Okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful name. Thank you. Uh, um, and so you said you grew up in Waiehu. And so do you have lineal ties to that area? What's your connection to that place mm -hmm. other than it being of your birth? Well, um, my family have lived in Waiehu for more than a hundred years. And we still have family living in Waiehu at that place where I grew up in. Okay. Um, my tutus, five generations back from me, were um, grew Kalo. They were fishermen. Uh, they lived along the coastline from Waiehu, Lower Waiehu, to Pakukalo, um, growing taro, raising fish in the ponds, fishing in the ocean. Uh, they had canoes, so they traveled by canoe from Waiehu to Hana. Um, you know, around the bend. <laughs> yeah, that's a journey. That was, and that was. Um, you know, that was something that they did um, with no big effort, you know. They watched the, um, the tides and the weather, so they knew, um, you know, when to go and when not to go. Yeah. Um, a lot of this we've learned, my family and I today, we've learned by doing research. Um, our, our immediate kupunas um, that were alive when we were, they told us stories that we thought were fairy tale stories, yeah. yeah. And um, whenever they mentioned Big Tutu, you know, Big Tutu could have been Big Tutu three generations ago, Big Tutu four generations okay. ago, you know, because there were stories that they heard from their Big um, Tutu, Big Tutu, yeah, from or from their their, their tutus. Um, I have. I, I don't know if you want me to start sharing about yeah, my tutus. Sure. Okay. Um, the biggest tutu 
that we have done research on is Pehu Ino, and he is um, he was living in Paukukalo. Um, there is some testimonials about him that we've researched, um, and he had he had taro patches, he had fish ponds, um, and he fished down in that area called Maluhia, where there is a rock that is named Maluhia Rock. Okay. Um, we see it from time to time um, when the tide gets really low, it gets minus tide, and okay. we look for it, and it's out there. Um, and um, from stories that we've heard um, through um, testimonials, our tutu uh, would, when the kings would come to the Heiau in Pokokalo, the Pihana Heiau, yeah. you need to feed the kings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they fed the kings with the taros and the bananas and the fish and um, uh, that that is a story that we have heard from testimonials. Um, so when we come from our big tutu Pehu Ino, his son, Skealoha Pahu Ino, um, took over after him and um, um, did pretty much the same thing, yeah, growing taro, fishing, um, having his families. Um, but there was a story that my mother told me that we didn't put together, my cousins and I, we didn't put together until recently about our big tutu. And here they're saying big tutu, but not which big tutu. Mm -hmm. How he swam away with the sharks, which we're told is one of our almakuas. Okay. He swam away with the sharks because he didn't want to be taken away by authorities who said he had leprosy. And so, okay, this is a story they told us. And, you know, so they, they would tell us, don't be afraid of the sharks. There's a big shark out there. And there is a grandfather shark. Yeah. That we, you know, we're always told there's a grandfather shark out in Waiehu. Because, you know, it's, it's your big tutu. Well, recently, while doing research, I discovered that, in fact, that tutu did have leprosy. Well, he was diagnosed with leprosy and did, was sent to Kalau Papa mm -hmm. um, because of that. Yeah. But he tried to run away. He didn't want to go to Kalau Papa, so he escaped. And they found him about three months later and took him back to Kalau Papa. But this is the big tutu who swam away with the sharks. This is this is what we've determined. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, my cousins and I were very um, not surprised, but enlightened by this story that we thought yeah. was a fairy tale. Yeah. And turns out to be, you know, it was a story that was probably handed down to her. Yeah. I yeah. So. And that's interesting to me because I've talked with other families um, from Pakukalo and they've talked to me about tiger shark mm -hmm. named Po. There's a white side to his right, the right side of his face is white. Um, and so it's yeah. a beautiful connections. Mm -hmm. um, and so how, I mean, so you have really deep lineal connections to that place. Mm -hmm. 
Do you feel that when you're there? When you go back and spend time? Can you connect in that way? I, I do. You know, when I go back there and I sit and I look at the area, it's changed dramatically. Yeah. I can imagine. But I, I think about how it was when I was growing up. And I can see, you know, the areas that yeah. we lived in and, you know, what it looked like back when I was growing up. Um, some areas pretty much look the same, um, like the back of our house. And um, the beach has changed a lot um, down at the river mouth. Yeah, yeah we yeah. used to go there a lot. Okay. Um, but it, it wasn't open as it is now, you know, the beach. Um, there were a lot of rocks, big, these huge boulders that we sat on and the waves crashed on. Oh, it wasn't flat, flat like how like it, it is, is now. now. Yeah. And so was that because of development or I know there was a tsunami over there at one point. Yeah. And so I don't know if that kind of just pulled things out. Yeah, the boulders are gone and no, no one's come in to do development down in that area. Yeah. So I believe it's just... Um, the ocean changed. The, and just changing the coastline. Coastline, yeah. 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 But, yeah. Nice spot to go surfing now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have my own stories. I mean, today we want to focus on you, but maybe a little bit later I'll tell you about that story. Okay. Um, and I think it's probably why we have such a strong connection with one another. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Do you have any specific stories you want to share of just growing up in Waihu, like sitting on those rocks fishing with your family? Or I know you've talked to me a little bit about your uncle before, and mm -hmm. he was an influential person in your life. Mm -hmm. um, would you like to share anything along those lines? Mm, okay. Um, yes, my, my uncles were fishermen, and I remember sitting on those rocks the whole family would be sitting along on the rocks and the, the men would be out with their long nets, you know, pulling in the fish and um, they knew when to do that. <clears throat> it yeah. was um, uh, a certain, I have an uncle, I had an uncle who would stand out there on the rocks and look out at the ocean and he'd see the fish running and he'd call everyone and they'd come and go lay their nets and catch the fish and we'd sit on the rocks and watch them pulling in the nets with the fish yeah. um, that was one thing that I rem that is a memory of mine that I have um, one really nice memory I have is of the luau's that my my uncle and auntie um, put on every New Year's that was that had become a tradition with them um, having a feast on New Year's Day. Well, preparation for the feast started in advance, at least a week before families would start coming, the aunties and uncles would start coming and prepping things. Um, of course, you know, the prep started way before then, you know, they, you know, probably a year in advance, he already determined which pig he was going to use. To okay. Kalua, you yeah. Because he raised well, pigs. You know? Okay, yeah. So, you know, Mama had a whole litter of pigs, so okay, we're going to keep one of them for yeah. New Year's. Feed him the good scraps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the coconut milk, we had to 
you know, we did, we didn't buy the coconut milk from the store. We made our own. So auntie would collect the, the coconuts or she would tell the kids, yeah. yeah. This is way before in advance or still. Pile the coconuts up in a certain area because these are the coconuts we're going to use to make the coconut milk. And we do that. And mm, probably a week or so before the luau, we do the husky. So I, I was the runt of the kids. Yeah? Okay. I was the smallest, the youngest. And so I was taken care of. But I tried to help in my own way. You know, I get the coconuts for them, sure. you know, get rid of the trash. And I had one cousin who, she, um, a female, and she was the husking champion, <laughs> yes. And my the cousins, you know, we'd have we had a whole bunch of cousins in that area. Would want to challenge who could husk the coconuts fastest, and they would, you know, race with her, yeah. and they'd never they were never able to beat her. <laughs> that was Bernadette Mayo, and so she, they husked the coconuts. You know, there would be these picks in the ground, about three or four of them, and they'd husk the coconuts. Um, once all the coconuts were husked, we'd have to clean them all off. You know, the shells, all the the fiber off the shells, and one of the uncles would come with his cane knife, and he'd crack it in half, and that's when we were able to get you know a treat of coconut water. Yeah. So once they did that, it was the grading of the coconuts. Back then, there wasn't the electrical graders. It yeah. was that little grader on the horse. That we, So we'd line up about six of them with the bikini underneath and take turns, you know, yeah. we'd sit on there and grade and grade and grade until there was, you know, all the coconuts were graded. And Auntie would come and she'd check and she'd look in the, in the bikini, the bucket, and she'd pick out the the brown stuff that would fall in and yeah. you know she very nicely say try not to get the the rubbish in because you know and then she'd pick it out so we you know be teaching us careful. how to be yeah how to do it correctly and um, once that was done all the coconut would go into one great big bikini and I'd watch her making coconut milk yeah, she'd get her boiling hot water and pour it in and she pat it down and leave it and let it set and then she'd strain it and we'd have coconut a bunch of milk. coconut milk for the haupia, for the kulolo, for the luau, yeah. squid and luau, chicken and luau um, and that's how I learned to make coconut milk. Um, another thing I'd watch them do was cutting up the, the tomatoes and the onions for the the lomi salmon but the most exciting part was when we started the kids would all be playing you know and we'd hear the squealing of the pig yeah and once you heard that everyone's the, the kids you know, yeah. stop the pig the pig they're killing the pig and we'd all run down to where they killed the pig and you know, today it would be called inhumane. Uh, you know, you can't kill a pig like that and, and have it, you know, unless you did it out where nobody, where, where the health department you know, <laughs> wasn't going to 
get I, you. I've been to a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go call how cool. But yeah, that was that was the excitement seeing them hoist the pig by the back legs up the tree and you know, it's it's you think about it, it's sad, you know, he's squealing away and but that was a way of life. That was how yeah, they I, did it. Yeah. I grew up with a chef for a father. And oh, so I have a have very distinct memory one year after Thanksgiving. He was like, hey, this is how a meatpacking plant works. And he put on a tour video because uh, he had to watch it for his own class. Mm -hmm. And so we discovered the intricacies of meatpacking at a very young age. Uh, but it's important to have the relationship mm -hmm. with your food. I mean, yeah, contemporarily, and maybe you can speak to this and you've been speaking to this all morning, is there's been a change in our connection with the land. Mm -hmm. I mean, just through your family's prep with the luau, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. there's a year worth of prep work in advance. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> You've got, what, like 10, 12 little kids running yeah. around, yeah. like husking like coconuts, yeah. making, you must have made like five gallons of coconut milk at a time. At least, <laughs> yeah, at least, you know, for the, for the haupia and the kulolo, you know, all of those things. Um, yeah, we had to make quite a lot of coconut milk. Well, so do you guys still keep some of these things alive? Do you do a New Year's luau ever? I know COVID has made things a little yeah. weird the last couple of years. Um, presently, we don't do the yearly um, New Year's luau, but we do, when we on occasion have luau's, we, um, you we go still for do it. it, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like it was back then. You know, we don't do everything from scratch. Um, right now, we buy our coconut milk, um, but you know, I have, I would like to start doing my own coconut milk, you know, which um, is doable. Yeah. yeah, no, we can definitely find you some coconuts. <laughs> yeah. Another thing they did we, that, I was, that I was intrigued with, the other kids ran off. So once they killed the pig, while it was hanging there on the tree, mm -hmm. Um, they cut it open. Yeah. Yeah. And all the insides were pulled into a great huge pan and um, put aside because one of the uncles had the task of cleaning it out, yep. getting the loco. Yeah, yeah the casing. Right. Cleaned it out, turned it inside out, and that's what made loco. Took the liver, and you could make. Liver. liver, yeah. Some onions. Uh huh. Well, they <laughs> did it raw too. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they ate raw. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, that's a intimate relationship yeah. with your food. And you know, everything was used. You know, hardly anything was wasted. Um, but it was cleaned thoroughly because, um, you know, to get all the waste out and all. And so, was there like? Do you remember there being a particular technique for that? Like, would you guys just use salt water? Would you use fresh water? Do you remember? Fresh water. Fresh water, just yeah. kind of. Because once they pulled everything out from the, the pig's gut, they hose down the inside. Okay. The pig would, would be hanging on that tree overnight to get all the Let it blood it out. Yes. And um, once. Well, before they, they strung it, well, they brought it down, they cleaned the, the skin part, yeah? yeah. They'd have to um, um, shave off the hairs and all, so 
Um, they had a, a technique of doing that using hot water, okay. um, blades, knives, yeah. and um, you know they'd wet down the skin and scrape it, scrape it, scrape it till it was all all the hairs and and dirt and rubbish was gone. Then they'd ho hoist the pig back up on the tree and clean, let it drip out, yeah? Yeah, yeah, so that the insides would be clean. And it would stay there until they're ready to put it into the emu. Okay. Um, in the meantime, one of the uncles would have the task of cleaning out, like I said, the insides. Um, and, you know, some of it was edible. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, very enviable. I mean, I know a lot of people that uh, have sought out very specific people in high positions in the culinary world to learn how to do exactly that. what you just mm -hmm. talked about. I mean, it's yeah. very cool. That that's just like a part of what you grew up with. Yeah, that, and that is something that I, I really, um, a, a, a good memory that I have of growing up at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, then there's the preparation for the emu, and that was the job of the men folks. Yeah? yeah. Getting the emu ready, lighting the emu, making sure it was set just right with the right amount of rocks and the right amount of banana. Yeah. Banana stumps in there um, to keep the the pig from burning. Yeah, and keep it moist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so, steam it in there. Yeah. That was um, that was we I loved those days when we did that. Wow. Yeah, they really sound like very beautiful memories. Um, Well, so one of my questions was for you, what is a perfect day for you? But it kind of sounds like you just described it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, yeah. What's, what's your, what's Annadelle's like, close my eyes, go to sleep, and this is my dream day of Maui? My perfect day today would be to work the land yeah. to work um, you know I, I don't know if this is um, a typical Hawaiian female who would go out and work the land but that is my pleasure yeah, yeah instead of being indoors <laughs> <laughs> as we sit inside um, today <laughs> I, yeah I like working in you know uh, planting um, cleaning out the garden and Harvesting. Yeah. That nice. is one of my greatest pleasures today. Yeah, it's nice. I, I mean, I, I come from a gardening family myself. And so uh, I've also like believed in service a lot throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And so that's the simplest way of you being of service mm -hmm. to the land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the term aloha aina gets thrown around a lot these days and I get a true sense of it just from what you just said from you but also the stories you know like we do not necessarily have the ability to have the connection uh, that maybe you were able to have growing up these days mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, thanks for sitting down and sharing with us today. Yeah. It's an important thing. Um, 
my pleasure to be here. Um. So, speaking of just like looking back at our lives and just thinking of our perfect days, what's something that you feel is like one of your greatest accomplishments? What, what do you feel happiest about doing um, in your life or just on your time in Maui? Oh, geez. <laughs> I know that's a big question. <laughs> that is a big question. Um, you know, I think most mothers would say their children. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my children are grown and have lives of their own. And um, um, that is um, one of, I feel, my greatest accomplishments is um, that they've gone on to be responsible adults. and having their own families, um, having my grandchildren um, is another one of my great pleasures. Um, I don't have them every day, but I do have them um, occasionally. Um, so that is, um, I think, my biggest, my biggest accomplishment, I feel, yeah. was the, my children. Hey, I mean, I've yeah. not met them, but mm -hmm. Just based on our interactions, I'm sure they're very wonderful people. Um, you should be very proud. Mm -hmm. you know. um, so, not to put finality on things, but we've been sharing memories today, your own memories. Mm -hmm. What memories do you hope that your own children or your own grandchildren have of you? What are some of the things you want to pass along or some of those special moments that you hope you can share with them that they'll carry with them throughout their lives? I, I would hope that they would see me as the grandma who, my, my grandchildren, who cared for them, took care of them, loved them, you know, with all her heart, yeah. which is um, where I'm at. Um, I hope they see me as being productive and humble and not as, <laughs> you know, a wild lady of some kind, <laughs> which I don't think I am because I'm not a very vocal person um, to begin with. Um, but um, yeah, it's my children are my and my grandchildren, I feel, are my greatest accomplishments, and um, I hope that they see me as being that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. hope so too. And I hope that they have the opportunity to listen to this, so mm -hmm. not only they know how much you love them, but also some of the stories that you share. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you guys are very conscious about? within your generation mm -hmm. or your children and your grandchildren? Yes, um, my children are aware of our, um, well, my children also lived in Waiehu okay. for a time. Um, and so they, um, they experienced grandma and they've heard some of the stories from grandma. Okay. That's my mom. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've talked about, about our ancestors there on the Aina, and they know that our big tutu um, lived in that area. So they're aware of all of this. 
Um, and we have a, right now within our family, uh, we are trying to bring awareness to our children about our ancestors and our tutus. So they, their story is not lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons why I agreed to do this. <laughs> 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 Hesitantly, I might add. Yeah. But, you know, I felt that um, without the stories, um, you know, a lot of this history will be lost. Well, like I said before, we're really appreciative of you mm -hmm. being here and being willing to share some of those stories with us. Um, are there any other stories or just thoughts that you have right now that you just kind of wanted to share with us? Well, I do have another story I, I want to share. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. This is about my, my big tutu, Pehu Ino. Um, the, the number one man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in our family at this time. Um, we, growing up, you know, like I said earlier, we didn't know about, about our big tutu Pehu Ino and our big tutu Pahu Ino, who was his son, because they were just referred to as big tutu. Yeah. So a lot of this names, these names and positions we've learned by doing research and um, <clears throat> upon doing our research we f we discovered that our tutu also was a caretaker of the Edies. Okay. yeah and so the sand hills above lower waehu yeah in in my days there was no lower waehu and upper Wa'ehu. well upper waehu was up toward the mountain yeah but lower waehu beach road yeah, yeah. And Waehu Beach Road was one road. I think we talked about this before. Yeah. The lower road, yeah. And that that road that is called Waehu Beach Road that runs from Pokukalo up to where the graveyard is, that was all sand dunes. Yeah. yeah. We played in those sand dunes as children. You know, we'd climb up there on the rocks and and, you know, find caves and sometimes bones. And we'd get scoldings, you know, stay yeah. away from the bones, you know, those bones are graves, you know, those are your tutus. And so when they started the development of Waehu Heights, um, they found bones in a cave, lots of bones. And um, they stopped the, um, the excavation um, and removed the bones and took it to I think one of the mortuaries and um, after a while the mortuary called um, not sure if I'm sure people will recall Charlie Maxwell because he was a great um, kupuna who um, you know did a lot with the EVs yeah they called him because they had all these bones and they didn't know what to do with it and so he contacted other people and what we've since determined was that those bones were probably bones of our big tutu that were put because uh, yeah our family were caregivers of of that land that and the evie the evies there um, and we have some um, recordings and stories um, testimonials from 
family members that say that they were taken to the caves by their by his father and shown the bones and was told that these are your ancestors um, but you know we never we, we were never taken to the Cave. caves yeah we explored and probably found them on our own but yeah <laughs> um, which a lot of other kids may have done, done too, too. Um, anyway the bones that they found were moved to Paia and are now resting in Paia the graveyard there um, outside of Paia yeah um, so um, we think that our big tutu is there at this time um, mm -hmm. because they removed his bones okay has I mean you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but has there been a conversation or have you ever felt, um, you know, in this path of discovery and learning your own family history, um, I don't want to lay verdict on the actions of the past, but do you feel a call to bring your ancestors Evie back home even though it's only 10 miles away Is that no 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 um, I I feel uh, personally yeah this is my own feeling yeah. that they're at rest where they are and it's a good place it's it's not that they're away from where they were rested um, yeah. you know initially at rest um, things have changed you know topography has changed um, we can't tell people you know you need to move out of here because this is our Ivikupuna's yeah, place yeah. you know um, maybe we could but you know we won't do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know they're laid to rest now and that's where they should be it's, yeah yeah I mean that's a very uh -huh. beautiful sentiment it's, um, you know, we know where, where they are, so that's the main thing. And we have their, you know, the stories we, we've learned, you know, these are things we, we didn't know growing up, but now we learned um, about our big tutus. Yeah. And, you know, we want to share this with our, um, the next generations to come. And making it um, public, you know, clear to them that they're there is, is enough, I think. Yeah, that they're there. Mm -hmm. um, well, I feel like this is an excellent point to maybe end our conversation today, but I really would like to take another moment to say thank you because these are some really beautiful and very personal stories. Um, and so, you know, thanks for coming on the record and sharing this conversation with me today. Aloha, you're welcome. Nick. Aloha. I enjoy talking with you. Um, it's it's a pleasure. It's the pleasure's all mine. Um, aloha. You did it. That was awesome. <laughs> you did so good. You're right. You did so good, Annadelle. Um, and so Kelly has actually heard this story before, um, but. I don't know if you watched the seminars um, for the small town big art, but I have a very deep and personal story to tell you about Waihu and sand piles. 
and in my reflection of how we have gotten here, it kind of uh, seems eerily synchronous, as it were. This is a picture right at the mouth of Yao Valley, or where Wailuku River runs into the ocean, Hapukalo, mm -hmm. as the sun rises. The thing that says there, sun will rise again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So, that is my best friend. He had died three days before. That was the first time I came out of my house. This was the time when I thought most about leaving Maui. And so, after three days of just lamenting, I came out and I watched the sun rise from Pakukalo. I drove a little further up to Sand Piles, paddled out. It was like 12 to 15 feet. It was big. I paddled out with five people. Me and my friend Kevin were the only people who actually made it out. Everyone else got pushed all the way down the churches. Uh -huh. I get out there and just, you know, getting my bearings. All of a sudden, perfect wave comes back. Talking the biggest wave I've ever caught. Casey sent me that, into that place. I remember dropping in, cutting left, looking up, being like, holy shit, I better not fall. <laughs> I like shot down and I made it out and I was just like, I looked up and the sun was a little further up but the clouds were still, still beaming. And you know, at that moment I was like, this is where I need to be. Um, and so I looked upon that place and that time with immense love, immense Allah. Um, and so I wanted to share this story with you because I feel we've had an intrinsic connection. Mm -hmm. And the uh, more we learn about one another, I think the more rewarding it is. Yeah. Um, and so. Thanks nice. for sharing. I know you sure shared a bunch of very personal stories today. I figure mm -hmm. I owed you at least one. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah. That is a very special place. Yeah, no, it is. And I don't think um, people understand. I mean, you go there now, and not to belittle it, but it deserves better. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, and so people look at it a certain way and you get a certain impression, but you can't see the different layers. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's like Hawaii, Hawaii's layers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, you know, appreciate you. <laughs> Aloha, thank you. Mahalo. Yeah, no worries. Um, and thank you, Kelly, for being yeah. here and just getting everything all set up for us. Um, but yeah, sweet.